Hello, welcome to Split the Screen episode. I think we're on 15 now. Oh my god, 15, really? 15 <sighs> weeks of this. Jesus. 15, yeah. I did finally get around to uploading all of them last time. I think we're on 15 now, yeah. I did upload like three during the last week. So yeah, we've been... Uh, I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> every single week as well, including over Christmas. Including over Christmas. Oh, there we go. Get that nice slip in. Have, have to get it in. Ah, <laughs> oh, how have you been, Ed? How's your week been? I'm right. I've got tea, and I've got a gingerbread man. Oh, <laughs> gingerbread man. How old are you? It's a very small gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah. That looks like a biscuit with a smiley face on it. And oh, yeah. How's how's your week been, Ed? I'm talking. You go first. How are okay. you? Okay. My, I'm been all right. Been all right. Just been, uh, you know, getting by teaching in the morning, streaming in the afternoon, had a nice day off yesterday, getting ready for my 100 days. Actually, the next um, next week, Monday to Friday, the only thing that I'm going to be streaming is this podcast. It's the only thing. So uh, that'll be an experience just doing that. It'll be quite nice. Hopefully he's going to relax, go for a walk. Try not to I can't really hear you anybody. chewing, but okay. That's fine. I'm sure your wig's going great. <laughs> how's the how's the uh, gingerbread man person? He was delightful. Sexist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I know. I haven't. I need to eat. I want to eat something when I uh, when I finish. I know. Just just he's enjoying his biscuit. Just let a man enjoy the biscuit. Need some sugar. Ed, the question in the uh, the question of the day in the Discord today was, how do you like the crust of your pizza? How do you like the crust of your pizza? Um, dripping in garlic sauce. Oh yeah. That's how I Same. like it. Oh. Have you ever told you about the time that uh, Dave cooked lasagna? I think it was. He didn't know the difference between bulbs and cloves of garlic. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember having a bath a few days later and like my skin just, I could smell it coming out of my pores. <laughs> it was really I mean, I like nice. I like garlic, though. but not that much. Yeah. It was really, really nice. But uh, yeah, not that much. Shocking. That's right. Oh, and I need to go and change the uh, the the name of the category. So we're doing podcast because yeah, this is welcome. This is split the screen. I'm Ben Ostrick. This is Ed Nightingale. We talk about video Hello. games for about an we hour. Talk shit for like an hour. Apparently, Pretty you much. lot tune in. Yeah. <laughs> I like my pizza crust filled with cheese. Yeah, same garlic. Got cheesy garlic. That's what you want. Oh, the best. But yeah, you keep the mosquitoes away. If garlic is literally like dripping from your and paws. the vampires. Yeah, from your door. Pesky vampires. So many of them around. I know, they're everywhere. Yeah, they are. Anyway, um, Ed, you've, you've been playing video games this week. Have I? Do Have I? You? Yeah, I, I did do? you? I know what you played. Well. You went back and played more Bravely Default for some reason. I did. I, uh, I wanted to play a bit more of it. Why? I didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. How long did that last? Not long. No. Um, it's fine. As I said last time, the review's up. You can go read it. Um, but anyway, there's right. plenty of really modern RPGs out there that you know you could enjoy. Some like brand new ones that came out this year. I'm sure you enjoyed that, haven't you? Did you go, did you choose one of those games to play? No. What, what did you choose, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> Setting you up. You're here. making this out like I've I don't know gone back to some arcade game. No, no, I. Um, what I finished this week, 
um, is The Outer Worlds, um, which I started a few weeks ago. It is on Game Pass. Um, not to be confused with Outer Wilds. Uh, the Outer Worlds is the Fallout in Space one. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm just seeing chat, so I'm like, what are people saying? I was um, trying to set you up for the Final Fantasy twelve that you've been playing. Oh, I'll yeah. talk about that next week. It's fine. Oh, okay. Let's talk about the Outer Worlds first. I like the Outer Worlds. You, fin- you, fin- you played well. a game and finished a game in a week. That's quite impressive. Well, I started it a few weeks ago and oh. played the first three, four hours. And then I played it at the weekend fairly solidly. Not like wow. all weekend, but quite a bit. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I finished it on Monday night. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It is it is essentially Fallout in space. Um, it, with sort of the good and bad things of that. What I really like about the game is that it has a really interesting world. Um, and... Like Fallout, it's sort of it's a first-person RPG. You go off and you explore it, but it's all different planets rather than just one apocalyptic wasteland. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got quite a bit of Mass Effect in there, I feel, because you have companions that join you that can go on quests with you, and you have quest lines with your companions, um, which has a sort of Mass Effecty feel. Um, I also found a bit of Ratchet and Clank in there, weirdly enough. Just in the sense of it's you traveling around space, going to these like bright, colorful um, planets with like crazy creatures and weird aliens and stuff. And it's all very lighthearted and comical. It's sort of a piss take of capitalism. Um, mm. Slightly more serious than Ratchet and Clank. But it has that sort of slightly cartoony, vibrant, planet hopping kind of feel to it. Um, and How long did it take you to finish? Probably like 15 hours, maybe. Okay. So it's it's really not long, considering Fallout's like super long. This is mm. really, really short. Sort of disappointingly so, um, which we'll come to. There's um, a bunch of DLCs, though. There is DLC. I didn't bother with that. I just did the main quest. Mm. Um, it's a really fun, vibrant world. Um, it's a sort of nice homage to like 60s, 70s sci-fi. Um, it's the kind of world that I really wanted to explore and I really enjoyed. And it's a game that's very easy to like. It feels great to play. It looks nice on the PC, um, and it it feels familiar because it is a lots lots of other games and influences sort of pieced together. Um, so it feels like it's very easy to enjoy. The more I played it, the more I feel like it's actually really shallow, um, which is a little bit disappointing um, for a couple of reasons. I think firstly, it's sort of character driven more than plot driven. So there is an overarching plot that is essentially you trying to like dismantle capitalism, but it's so broad and it's not, this might be because I had like a three week gap between playing it, but it's not progressively sort of built up over time. You're sort of doing all these smaller quests. And I know a lot of open world games do that. You know, The Witcher is just find Siri, essentially. Um, but Siri is such a compelling character and it's all the way through there that you you want to find her. Whereas in this, I didn't have that sort of strong narrative thread to keep me going. It's sort of lots of smaller, shorter stories that are interesting and are well-written, but ultimately a little bit limited. Um, You have your companions that join you and you have companion quests, but it's like one very short quest that, in the case of Pavati, who is the most well-known character in the game, it's great because she is lesbian and she's asexual. So it's a really nice way of introducing that side of things. And it's a really nice piece of representation for, for that community. But the other companions have all 
kind of shallow. Um, it doesn't really go anywhere. I didn't really feel anything for them. And I think a lot of that comes down to the second major flaw, which is that there's like a big void in the game, which is basically you, the player. So the game gives you loads of choice in terms of who you want to be, what you want to look like, your attributes, um, all these different choices in the quests of like lying to people, persuading people, who, which faction do you, do you choose? But there's never any consequence to any of it. So it's not like Mass Effect, which has, you know, Paragon and Renegade, which is very binary and very simplistic. But at least you know, okay, well, if I'm making this decision, this is the kind of character I'm going to be. And it's going to affect the, the decisions I have and the outcomes I have. In this, it's not really clear. So you're sort of giving choices, but you don't really know why. And that there's no impact to anything that you do, aside from at the very end of the game, it's saying, this is what this character went to do. This is what this character went to do. And I was like, I don't care, because I was not invested in any of it, because there's just no reason to be. Like, you as a character are just a void. Your companions talk to one another, but they don't really talk to you. So you're sort of making decisions, but not really putting yourself in the game in the way that you would want to do in an RPG. So I think ultimately it's quite shallow. And because it's so short as well, it doesn't give you much time to really progress. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still a really interesting world. And because it's so short, it's very easy to sort of whip through, enjoy it for a weekend as I did, and then forget about it. So I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't say don't play it at all. I think it's worth playing, um, but it's just not its not that in-depth RPG experience that I thought it might be and that I think it was trying to be and didn't get there. Great. Well, I don't think I will play it. Maybe I will. I don't know. I'm like... <laughs> A great advertisement from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're kind of saying what I felt from it because I played about 10... No, it's maybe not 10 hours, actually. Maybe about five hours. Um of it, so probably what about a third of the way through, and enjoyed it, but kind of stopped. Never had the real urge to go back to it. I don't know if anybody in the chats played it before. I think Cat so. has. Oh yeah, Ed's a fan of Ace's Choice. Yeah, some of the, like the goofy stuff in that I really like. The guy with the giant moon head that you meet. Yeah, like there's there's some really good writing in there, and it is it is funny. Um, yeah. You know, and it's sort of twist on capitalism. It's not super deep, but it's it's a nice twist. Um, mm. that gives you that that sort of light-hearted, comical kind of feel throughout. Um, and it is that sort of retro-futuristic kind of vibe that you get from like a from a Fallout or a Bioshock or something like that, um, yeah. but much more light-hearted than those games. Very nice. I'm not... Um... Yeah, I've not really played anything new this week, which is oh. unusual for me because normally when a new game comes out, I'm like, right or anything i'll just go and just buy it and play it for a little bit but i've just been playing loads of uh of um story of seasons pioneers of olive town or uh, still not to talk about story of seasons poot um no well it's like no i don't know if i'm technically allowed to still talk but it's like there's a review it's not i'm not going to review it because i'm not i haven't played loads i've only i'm not even past the first year but i'm still enjoying it there are these makers that you use, though, that you're... Um, so you put all the whatever produce, whether it's like wood or things that you found or you've mined or whatever, you put them into these machines and then these machines will take a bit of time and then they'll convert it into something good that you want. Um, whether it's like wood turning into lumber and then you can use the lumber for other things. But they're just... At the moment, I haven't found a way of like storing them anywhere. So at the moment, I've just got these makers everywhere. They're just all over the farm. I've got like a whole field of these machines. 
um, did see that. It looks very disorganized and it really stressed me out. Yeah, it's like that's not what farms look like. So I'm hoping that they... I'm really hoping that later on you get a factory and you can just shove them all in there because I don't mind it inside a factory because that's kind of what it looks like. And if we've got a factory on the farm that has that, yeah, that makes sense. But at the moment, it just looks like a giant arcade uh, outside. And also it really affects performance as well. Like it's... I, I mean, it stutters quite a bit anyway, but like when those were around, it really, really does. Um, so, but they've said that there's a big patch coming before the game comes out. And I'm hoping that they sort that out. I don't mind if they, why, are they, I mean, I'd still rather have those makers in somewhere, but also maybe make like an ultimate maker or something. One that requires 10 times as many materials, but then you get 10 times, you know, the productivity from it. So I'd, like that wouldn't, I'd, you know, Can that would be another way. you upgrade the ones you have then? You just have to make another one? At the moment, you can't. But I don't know if that's later. Interesting. We'll see. But I'm, yeah. So I'm just waiting to, to see if it becomes better later on. I mean, watching you play that, if anything, has inspired me to want to play Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah. Rather than playing Story of Seasons. I want to play Stardew Valley and I'm... But I don't want to play it straight after this because they are quite similar. So I'm going to go and probably quite do like a bit of a Pokemon playthrough because I, you know, I, I really want to go and do like a Nuzlocke. I think like a Nuzlocke, which is like you play the game with a set of rules um, and it makes it a little bit more interesting. Which, like, which Pokemon would you Nuzlocke? Shield. Because okay. I want to play it. Because I want to finish it. I bought it. Um, I bought it. it. No. I, got, I keep getting to like the third gym and I'm like, this is so boring and repetitive. And that and game just... is so easy. It's like five hours long. It's so <laughs> boring though. It's really boring and repetitive and ugly. So I just want, you know, I will do it, but I'm going to have like a Nuzlocke to make it interesting. Such as, you know, when a Pokemon faints, they're gone. Like you're never to be seen again. Um, and you have to rename them all. Yeah, I've been naming them all after uh, people in the chat as well. So that'll make it a bit more exciting. I, I feel like Nuzlocke's, a lot of people seem to be doing that at the moment. Like I've seen yeah. a few streamers who are doing it, but I do see that it really adds an extra element to to, to the Pokemon game and makes, yeah. makes it a little bit more interesting. So I guess if you are a bit bored with it, then it's the perfect way to bring in some extra excitement and extra challenge. Yeah, I, exactly. Because I need a bit of excitement because I keep trying it. And it's like, oh, great. What am I doing? This will be like the fourth time that I've started it. Uh, so, yeah, we will we'll see times. if I actually last it. But like, I just don't want to go straight into Stardew. Because also as well, so many, I know so many of my friends are playing Stardew. And I know that like a lot of communities kind of cross over. And I think if I, if I join in on the Stardew, people are just going to be absolutely sick of it. So uh, as chilled and, and as calm as it is. following everyone else. Shocking. I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to. I want to wait a little bit. Yeah, everyone is playing it, uh, Sir Gemma. So I'm just going to wait a bit. Wait till people have got bored of it and then I'll be like, hey, look at me joining the party <laughs> five years later than normal. As a, as a non-streamer, though, seeing everyone else play Stardew really makes me want to play it. And I've, okay. I've, I like to have a game on sort of different systems I can jump around. So, you know, if the boyfriend's playing on the PlayStation, I can jump on the PC or, or on Switch. Um, and I need a Switch game to play because I finished everything that else that I have. And I'm like, maybe Stardew is the one. Maybe I finally yeah. do it. But I, I feel like know. Stardew is one of those games that people can spend hundreds of hours in. And apparently there are makers and stuff like, and there are mods. There are so many mods. Just imagine if like Story of Seasons had mods 
where you could, uh, you know, where it was fixable, that people could just go and make it easier or more enjoyable in that way. I would, I would just, I would mess around with the button with the numbers in the back and be like, okay, instead of it costing five pieces of mortar to make this machine, I will make it cost 50 pieces of mortar, but you can also put 10 times as much in and get 10 times as much out because that would, that would just make it so much better. Um, but yeah, and also the cows are really cute in it, but they're huge. You can't really move they're around when they're around. Yeah. Getting around, like getting, once you've released all of the farmyard animals into the field or whatever you've made, it's really hard to kind of move anywhere. <laughs> so I think in future I need to go, I need to go and milk them and shear them and whatever inside the barn and then go and let them out because it's a bit squished outside. The barns actually seems bigger than outside. But yeah, I'm going to, we're, I'm going to see because apparently, like I said, there is a patch that's going to come out in the next week or two. Um, I will probably reach the embargo limit soon because I'm about to start winter. I think I'm probably going to finish autumn at the next... Uh, well, I'm playing it tomorrow, actually. So I imagine tomorrow I might end up finishing autumn. Potentially starting spring? Uh, start Starting winter? I'm not sure. But uh, luckily I've got next week off, Monday to Friday, so I won't be, uh, I won't be going too fast. What what is your plan for your week off? What are you going to be playing? I'm just going to sit around, cocking and watching TV. Yeah. No, I'm probably going to go. I want to go out a fair bit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go out, get some fresh air. It's peace and quiet. On my own. Please just don't do walk. that. Yeah. What fresh air? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't hear what yeah. you just said. I was ignoring you. Yeah. This is not what I wanted to picture while I'm trying to work, says Yuffie. Oh, Yuffie. <laughs> I feel I'm like the gingerbread him. man's coming back up again. <laughs> the poor gingerbread man. Ah. Anyway. So, yeah, that's we what split I'm... Some headlines. <laughs> Should we split some... What headlines have we got to split today, Ed? Yeah, talk about chickens, because I'll be, like, eating chicken. Yeah, you're going to sit and eat chicken for a week. That's right. That sounds so good, actually. That's yeah. right. Mm -mm. bit of KFC yeah. um, alright let's split some headlines so one thing that came up um, just oh. about none of that thank you <laughs> <laughs> shush um, that came up a couple of hours ago so very recently is Square Enix are oh. doing their own uh, essentially version of a direct called Square Enix Presents <gasps> and it is on March the 18th uh, 5 p.m. GMT, 10 oh, a.m. PDT. Oh, um, well, and the when, big when news it, from that... Sorry, so when GMT? 5 p.m. So that's... Like, I'm technically not streaming then, but we do the podcast because that's next Thursday at 5 o'clock. Well, I'll be working until 6. I will have to stream but it. But we can discuss it. Yeah. I'll stream it. Fine. <laughs> I'll do a little um, mini stream on Thursday night. Fine. Um, so the big the big announcement is that there's going to be a new Life is Strange. Oh, um, the third one. Yes. Oh, well, it's saying long. all new Life is Strange, so I'm guessing the third one. Oh. Uh, they're also featuring Outriders, which is a new Destiny third part third person type game that looks shit. Oh. Um, Marvel's Avengers, which is coming to next gen very soon. Uh, uh. Tomb Raider's 25th anniversary. Maybe something cool there. Uh, new Square Enix Montreal games. 
Just Cause Mobile and Balan Wonderworld, which is the new game from the makers of uh, Sonic. Isn't that out really soon? It is out at the end of this month. Um, Mm. That looks okay, but not great. Um, so yeah, there's nothing from Square Enix Japan, so there's not going to be any Final Fantasy news. I was about to say, sadly, it's all very much the sort of Western publishing stuff. Um, but still some interesting things to look forward to and interesting that, you know, E3 is canceled this year. All the Mm. developers and publishers are like, fuck it. Let's just do a video. So we're getting that. Yeah. I really wish, I really hope that there is some kind of E3 online type thing where they all announce them around about the same time. I mean, maybe there will be similar videos around that sort of June time, but I feel like now it's just splitting into just whenever anyone's got an announcement, off you go. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, all these new cool games and also Life is Strange. (laughs) Shade. (laughs) I'll Um, probably end up playing Life is Strange. You'll clearly play it on stream and everyone will. As long as it doesn't involve Chloe or Max. Well, that's the thing. I think it's it will be a new one. If it's Life is Strange 3, because yeah. 2 was completely different to the yeah. first one. So I think it's pretty certain it's going to be similar narrative game. Um, there'll be some weird supernatural stuff in there. Hopefully there'll be some LGBT representation. Oh, there will. Um, Do you think they'll upgrade the, uh, the whatever they use to make, to make the game on? What's it called again? They upgrade the... Uh... Um, the, the thing engine. They, they do. Engine. The engine. There to make go. it look, you know, like a PS4 game. Well, if it's... What, on a PS5? Um, right. Well, no, I mean, it, like, to be... Look, at the moment, it looks like... It looks trash. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if it's going to be on next-gen con- or new-gen consoles, presumably it will look a little better. It might not quite be Demon Souls, but it will look we'll a little see. better. But yes, that's next Thursday, so keep an eye out for that. Um, there's also, uh, Nintendo news, uh, vaguely, which is that basically they are discounting some Mario games at, guess what, 35%, um, for the 35th anniversary of Mario, which technically was last year, but Nintendo celebrate from their financial year, which is April to April. So basically this is the last month of Mario year. Um, mm-hmm. So they are discounting a number of games, which I think is different in Europe and North America. But it's things like Super Mario Maker 2, Paper Mario, um, Luigi's Mansion, etc. Um, but this Another is game. also your notice that if you are yet to pick up Mario 3D All-Stars or the Super Mario Brothers 35 game, um, they will be taken off the eStore at the end of the month because of this annoying limited time Bullshit. I refuse to buy it just because of that. I mean, I pre-ordered it and jumped on it like a stupid Mario fanboy, so fine. Uh, but if you are yet to buy it, you need to crack on now. Don't. Don't buy it. Don't give them the satisfaction. No, do buy Mario 3D All-Stars. It's three very good... Well, two games. Two very good games and one average game. And they're not even... They're not even remastered, though. They're just kind bit. of ported. A little bit. There's, there's a tweak. There's a nip and a tuck. Wow. But yes, so hopefully after that we might actually get some Nintendo news on Zelda because then it will be the year of Zelda from April to April. So we can... Mm. This is me tenuously hoping. <laughs> Fingers basically. crossed. Well, I think maybe we'll get some information about some uh, remakes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, 
Mm. Um, apologies in advance because this is a really slow news week, so this is me really scraping the barrel on headlines. Um, but <laughs> there was one piece this week that was quite interesting, which was um, a new study that was done by a gaming website called Online Roulette, which is a sort of gambling website. Um, but they did a study into uh, the LGBT community in online gaming um, to sort of understand more about the community. And none of what they said is particularly surprising to, I guess, us who are in the LGBT community or associated with They all with play Dead by way. Daylight. Is that it? <laughs> no. Oh. Um, but it's interesting to see some numbers at least. Um, and the sort of headline one was that 88% of LGBT gamers who are out to their gaming communities have received some form of harassment online. So that's nearly everyone, basically, mm. who is LGBT plus online has received some form of harassment. Um, if we're looking at specific harassment based on sexuality, it's down to 73% of people. Um, but LGBT plus gamers are 21% more likely to receive harassment than people that don't disclose their sexuality. There which basically go. is pretty horrible. Yeah. No, I had it on Twitch the other day. Because I was... Uh, it, they So Twitch has got a thing where you can boost people. And you use your channel points to boost the channel and get it to like re the recommended list for people. And they did that. And it boosted it. And then just had loads of people coming in making like vile remarks and vile statements uh very homophobic kind of disgusting tropes and stuff like that and uh yeah so uh that, yeah. that was thanks to twitch's boost i mean i don't think it's news to uh to streamers particularly uh no. that this stuff happens but it's i guess useful to put a number on it in some way um, there's so many reasons why i don't play online games like like i'd very yeah. rarely if i'm going to play an online game i'm going to and it involves like teamwork or something or there's a text in it like i much prefer to play an online game on my playstation because there's people and i also have it blocked so nobody can send me a message unless we're friends because i know so many people that get abuse and it's just like i'm there to play a game yeah okay if, if you don't play well you don't play well it doesn't matter it's a fucking game <laughs> just get over it well tell that to yourself on a monday when you play mario kart well that's different <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that, that'll put the percentage up <laughs> yeah exactly i mean there's a flip side to all this that is actually more positive to show how supportive uh gaming communities can be for lgbt players um so in terms of supportive games um the one that was voted the top which is almost one in every two gamers in this particular survey, said that Animal Crossing has the most supportive gaming community, which is nice. It does, yeah. I mean, when playing Animal Crossing, very, very rarely got uh, got trolls. It wasn't exactly. trolls, it was just people going, what's your dow dow coward? I haven't even it's opened my really eyes. No. Um, and 26% of the people surveyed said that Minecraft was, the most, uh, was a supportive gaming community. So basically, you've got the two one. top ones covered. Which is nice. But what was the third one, Ed? Well, sorry, Minecraft was three. And at number yeah. two, strangely enough, with 27%, was Call of Duty. Which I would not say is necessarily... I mean, I don't... My Anecdotally, my perception of Call of Duty mm. is not that it is hugely accepting. 
but I guess there's just so many Call of Duty players that, that mm-hmm. clearly there are going to be LGBT players in there, and maybe there are clans or groups that do support one another. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... I played it, and I'd never got... I'd never really got any abuse, actually, when I was playing it. And I played it on, pay, on PC a fair bit. Interesting. There mm. you go. I think it's because the matches are so quick as well. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Probably. Um, an extension of that as well is that 45% of LGBT plus players said that they actually discovered their sexuality through playing games and right. 71% said that online communities were more supportive of their sexuality than in than IRL communities, so friends and family, um, which I think is, you know, just showing the importance of online gaming, gaming in general, how important is representation in allowing people to be themselves and explore that. And how important communities are, be they Twitch communities like this or, or other gaming communities that really allow people to just be themselves and explore that and be supported in that much more than than sometimes friends and families do. So there is a positive side to all this. You know, there's a lot of harassment and that needs to be cut down, but there's also a lot of support out there and that is very important. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, and the last one, which isn't really a headline... But it was just a piece that I saw earlier today and thought was really interesting. Um, if anyone reads the PlayStation blog, um, it's where Sony will put up basically news uh, about what's coming. So you, it's a sort of good place to find news stories. But they also often have interviews or little features and things on there which are quite interesting. And they had one today, which is with the composer who wrote the GPU song in Astro's Playroom. Pingo. Uh, which yeah. is the best song in the game in the jungle area um and he basically they're they're releasing a soundtrack to the game which is why this has come out um but he has gone through and explained the process of how they wrote the game and there's loads of soundcloud clips of old demos of sort of their first few ideas and sketches um to show how they developed it and they decided to do a song like a love song but with computer elements and it all sort of develops into then this is the final song that they created um so it's not a headline, but I'm just sharing it to go and read it because I think it's a really interesting piece um, and is worth reading just to show the development of a song in a video game. That's your favourite thing. Music and video games. It is. Like your your thing. There you go. There you go. go All right. read. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Great You'll probably game think well. it's really boring. Probably. But let me if it's coming to... Is it coming to Spotify, the uh, soundtrack? Read the article. Maybe it's in there. You didn't even read it all. <laughs> I did. I just have a terrible memory. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there we go. There were the headlines that were well and truly split. Absolutely. So, Ed. Ben. What's, what's, what's been splitting opinions this week? Well, we're going to find out. Um, this week's theme, which has been very kindly given to us by Canadian Book Girl... Thank you very much, Gemma. Um, is all about narratives in video games. Um, essentially, what makes video games unique when it comes to storytelling? Uh, what can video games do that no other medium can do, be it films or books or whatever else? Like, what can video games do? Um, so what we have decided to do for this topic is to split it into two areas that we're going to take each and... I say explore slash debate 
Um, probably more of a gentle discussion. Um, so we split it in two, uh, two types of games. There are linear stories, which are ones where you just play through them start to finish and it's all authored by the developers. And then there are sandbox games, which allow for the players to create their own stories. So be that your, your Minecrafts, your Animal Crossings, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm going to talk more about linear stories and Ben is going to talk more about sandbox stories. Uh, essentially reflecting our varied and contrasting taste. There we go. We are was that a good enough intro for you? That was very good, yeah. And also Gemma, we, yeah, well, Gemma's got an opinion as well um, when she centers it. But also we've got some great uh, essays in the chat, in the uh, Discord as well. Money. Wonderful. Chef's kiss to money. Yeah, yeah. And Vainslay, thank you. Thanks to everyone that uh, participated. So and please jump in the chat here if anyone has ideas or wants to tell us to shut up because we're wrong. Okay. So you've been playing, you were, you're a big fan of these uh, single player narrative games. I am. Tell me. Well, let me get my notes up. Um, linear games. Um, yeah, I think linear games are particularly good for storytelling. Um, and I think ultimately what is good about video games when it comes to storytelling and what makes them unique is this idea of immersion and the idea that you are playing this story and you are in control of it and to an extent with linear games you're you're sort of not in control all the time um, but you still are there with a the controller you're playing through it and i think a lot of linear games are criticized because they often just ape films and ape cinema and the number of times where the story is sort of actually a cutscene um, that you end up watching um, and actually that's not particularly good for a video game. That's not unique to a video game because you're just sat there watching. Um, and what's good about games is when the controller is put there and you can actually play through it and experience that story yourself. I think what's good about that is that even though there is a set story in these sorts of games, um, there's still an element of personalization, not to get all like marketing on you, but when something's personalized, you're able to put yourself in there and it, it, it draws you in. Um, you know, that's why there's personalization in marketing when you see videos that are just dedicated just to you uh, or emails with your name in it and they know that it's it's personal to you. Um, you know, games can do the same thing and that it's putting the controller in your hands. And I think if you take something like uh, like Uncharted, for instance, that is a very linear game and ultimately is aping a film, it's trying to be an action film, but as a video game. Um, and the fact that you get to play that makes it so much more immersive and so much more exciting. Um, because, okay, there is a story of Nathan Drake going on his adventures and you are stuck doing that. You can't change that. Uh, the story is what it is. And there are some very good cutscenes in it as well. But you're still making those moment-to-moment -moment decisions of, you know, what guns do you use? Who do you shoot first? And in a way, you're sort of playing as Nathan Drake, but I also feel like you're almost playing as like a film director of like directing your own action film um, and, and it's like the puppet master of steering your your actors uh, through the game and, and creating your own story within this, this framework, I guess. Um, I think the difficulty or one of the major difficulties with this kind of thing is how do you deal with death? 
because I think so many games have this idea of, of dying. You know, you get shot, you lose a life, you fall, you die. And I think when that happens... Don't get that it, in a book. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, you Sorry, it's ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the film doesn't just, you know, end and you have to go back and redo it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that is very much unique to games. Um, and it's something that I think is a real challenge with games when it comes to storytelling, because that immediately takes you out of the story. You know, Nathan Drake gets shot and, and you or you miss a jump and it completely ruins that tension of of creating this action sequence. Um, and I think that that's something that is particularly difficult with horror games. Um, you'll notice that actually I think a lot of horror games don't want to kill you as much as you might think they do. Um, and it's because, you know, they have this rise in tension and atmosphere. And then as soon as you die, it completely takes you out of that experience. Yeah. They and, want you, to feel you know, you have to go back and do it again. And yeah. it just sort of reminds you that actually you're essentially immortal because you can just try again. Like, and also, you, know, you don't actually die. They they want you to feel like you're just getting out of it. Like, I think it, there were two games I was looking at. One was Destiny and one was uh, Doom. Those two games. Do you know, like the last, when you've got your health bar, you know, like the last 10% of that health bar is about half of what you've actually got. Like it is way more than what than ten percent. If your health bar is down at ten percent, that you don't have ten percent of your health left. You've got loads of your health. There's a bunch of games that want you to feel like you're just getting out of it. And anybody that's played Destiny will know that the amount of times you've left a battle with it, and you know you've got a tiny bit of health and it's all flashing and you've got an alarm and you're just climbing, you just managed to escape even though there's people shooting at you. Th those shots are hitting, <laughs> but they want you to feel as though you're just getting out of there uh, and you're just scraping out because you're right. Yeah, the second you die. It's like, ooh, okay, now I've got to re-strategize, rethink, and start from the beginning. Yeah, and I think that's something that is really unique to games when it comes to this idea of telling a story because actually it ends up being really fragmented and it's hard to pace that. And I think that's a real challenge for, for game makers unless you can then make death part of the story. And I think that's something that, for instance, Hades does really well. And it's sort of not necessarily a story-driven game. It kind of is. And I guess it's sort of linear, um, but the way that death is part of the cycle and the loop of the game, that becomes something that own the sort of story that you can only tell it through a video game in terms of like what's the impact and the power of death um, and how you die. And it keeps happening again and again. And that that is literally the story. And it gives you these little snippets. Um, and I think that's a really clever way of, of sort of integrating gameplay into a story um which is really hard to do without just saying here's a story here's a cut like here's gameplay here's here's a cutscene. here's gameplay you know it's like how do you how do you integrate those things together and that's something that gaming can do really well to immerse yourself but it's a really hard thing to get right pete's interesting he said there was an edge article recently about this and they talked about horror games especially often not letting you die was that what, did you read that as well ed um, I know. it's probably on my large pile of Edge magazines that I haven't got around to reading, <laughs> but that sounds familiar, so I think I did read it. Hmm. Tell us about, I've got more ideas, but tell us about sandbox games. Well, I mean, with, with sandbox games, it's, I'd say it's not totally different from, uh, you know, because it's looking at your reactions when you're encountering um, whatever, but you can have the choice of where you go. You You can choose where you move your story. For example, if you're reading a book, it's 100% linear. There's no, I mean, there are those choose your own adventure books, but when it comes to a story, you are following a path 
just one line and you know exactly where to go. Whereas when it's a sandbox game, you can choose exactly how to pace yourself. Um, just like in single players, you are reacting when it comes to like you putting yourself in a situation and then you're seeing how you end up reacting to people appearing or a part of whether it's part of the story that you're reacting to or whether it's a situation or whether it's somebody, you know, an, an enemy appearing from behind you. You don't know like how you react is something that you can only do in a video game. You can't react to it in a book because it's somebody else that you're reading. Um, but when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to an open world game like this, like a sandbox game, you talk, when you say sandbox, we're talking about open world because I was going for like open world more than sandbox. Interesting. I was yeah. thinking more along the lines of like a Minecraft or an Animal Crossing and the way that you can literally create your own scenarios from scratch um, and your own stories. And, well, you know, it's it's totally down to you as a player. And I guess the fact that you are creating that story and it represents you, how how does that compare in terms of like a powerful narrative in comparison to something that is more authored by somebody else like what has more impact is it more impactful yeah. that you can create your own story and does that mean something more to you i mean when i play minecraft i'm just playing with friends by hanging out i'm not creating a story i'm creating a story as much as i'm creating a story when i'm hanging out in a bar with someone it's just a way a method of interacting with friends and creating yeah maybe there's a create a story you're creating like through the history of the creation of this minecraft server and it's interesting going back and seeing how people have uh, worked together on certain aspects to build things or how things have developed. Uh, but when it comes to an actual story itself, you have complete control. Like the other day, we went and killed the Ender Dragon in Minecraft. And it was something that we were preparing. We didn't have to do it then. We could have waited. We didn't need to even kill it. It's something that we've all we kind of built together. And every single... It's more memorable, I feel like, that way. Because every, okay, for example, I went into a, a third world. In like You go into the nether region. So you've got your, the normal region in uh, Minecraft. And then you can go to like the nether world. It's like a demon world. And then there's another world. And I didn't realize that the other world, um, you needed to click save inventory on. So I died in that and lost absolutely everything. <laughs> and that was completely unexpected. But it's something that I will forever remember from that experience. Just because it was complete. It's nothing... It was just something that happened that was completely because of me. Like there was nobody that had designed that as part of a story of, you know, to be experienced. That was completely something that I will remember that I, that I did. And I think that's the thing because you're there putting yourself into it. It feels more memorable and more personal to you because it's literally your story and it's only going to happen to you and no one else is going to experience that in the way that everyone's going to experience a very similar thing with like an uncharted but with that minecraft thing it's like only you're going to have that experience in that moment so that's your personal story so maybe mm -hmm. that means something more to you than you know than a, than a story that someone else has written or even things like i guess animal crossing when you're and i'm talking for you but when you're coming up with like the different voices and stuff that you have for different villages and things like that it's like you you have the power to interpret that your way and therefore that becomes more memorable to you big from creating those stories. Mm. And what about with, um, I was thinking as well with death stranding, some vein, um, Mr. Wibble mentioned death stranding earlier. Um, like that 
for me. I absolutely love that game from start to finish. And there are rumors potentially of a PS5 version. But that game made something that in a movie would be as boring as hell. And they make it because you're immersed in it and you're able to kind of like something doing something mundane, but actually doing it is so much more fun than something that you'd maybe watch on watch a TV program uh, process it or read a book about it. It's like just walking from one place to another. In that game, the atmosphere, soaking it in. You have these little events that might pop up and music kicking in. But like, I can't imagine them trying to do a movie of Death Stranding. It just, it just wouldn't work. It would just work. be the cutscenes and then there'd yeah. be a montage of walking over some mountains. <laughs> and it, just, it just wouldn't have the same thing. But, you know, just experiencing sometime. I think there's a special thing in Japanese cinema. Um, apparently Ghost in the Shell did it, the original Ghost in the Shell. And it's just, oh God, what's it, I can't remember what it's called, but it's just when they film life happening and they'll just film some people sitting on a bench kind of talking, you can't really hear them or just like the cameras, things pass by. And that's, yeah, that you can experience in a movie. You can experience it obviously in film as well, like just like then, but you can't have that for 75% of the, uh, of the game or of the movie like there is in, like there would be in a Death Stranding one. Yeah, I guess you know, to your point with Death Stranding, like it's a long game. And, mm. you know, I think a lot of games are so long that you invest so much time into them. It's not like you're just passively watching something for an hour and a half or just quickly flicking through a book. Like you are investing so much time and effort into the characters and the story that you are, I think, much more invested in it. Um, and therefore gaming stories can mean so much more to you than, than other mediums. Yeah. I think to go back to the sort of sandbox linear thing, like, Sandbox games, I think, require a certain amount of creativity to make those stories happen, which is something that I do not have, which is why I don't want to play Minecraft, because I know that I just don't have the creativity to enjoy it. And I think that those games are great because you can sort of be yourself. Um, for me, I don't want to be myself in a game. I'm I'm boring white man. Like, I don't want to be myself. I want to do something different. And I think that's why I prefer the more linear stories because they're much more authored. It's it's a specific experience that somebody wants you to have. Um, and I think that that ultimately can be, can be much more powerful in terms of storytelling um, because it then has the power to, uh, to, to disrupt things or confound your expectations in some way or, or make you think or challenge you. And the thing that sticks to, in, in my mind for that is something like, the Last of Us Part 1, which I'm about to spoil to anyone who hasn't oh, oh. played it yet. Joel um, What? Oh, oh, Part 1, okay. Yeah, sorry, I thought you I thought you were like, oh, no, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm about to spoil the ending of The Last of Us Part 1. Um, but it is, it is about a man who needs to save the girl, essentially. Um, very simply put. And all the way through, you're thinking, right, I need to save the girl and it's going to happen. And then there's that twist at the end of actually he doesn't want to, well, he wants to save the girl, but by doing that, he has to damn the rest of humanity by not having this cure for the, for the disease. Um, and it's sort of this twist that like, actually you've been playing as the bad guy all along. And for me, that's a twist that even now still sticks with me because you've got all these expectations leading up to it. And then it's like, bam, it suddenly changes. 
Um, and that's something that like a sandbox game can never do because you're always playing what you want to do. Whereas more of a linear authored game can really put a spin on things. And I think what's really interesting then is when you apply that to something like LGBT representation, because I think it's really easy and almost lazy if we're being cynical to say like, hey, this game has LGBT representation because anyone can be anyone. Um, and, you know, in in a sandbox game or an open world game, it's like you can choose, you know, a Dragon Age or a Valhalla, you know, do you want to be male or female? Do you want to be gay or straight or whatever you want to be? And it's great that you can do that. But what's the impact of that? And if it's, you know, Valhalla, for instance, Eivor can be male or female. And therefore, you can have sex in, with with men or, or women. But I feel like that's not specific to each of those genders. It's not a different experience. They've just swapped out a male or a female Viking. So it's mm. not specific to that experience. It's not telling a particularly interesting story. Whereas but then, then sometimes they give the op- but sometimes they give too much, and then it it takes away everything. Like Watchdogs Legion, where you can play as any character, but every character is then so bland. Exactly. It's like, what is the story? Exactly. Whereas then with something like a a more linear focused experience, it allows the developers to say, do you know what? We are going to have really strong LGBT representation and we want to tell a very specific story. And I think that's where something like If Found can be really valuable because it's telling a very specific story about trans experience that puts you in that position in a way that a film or a book can't do because this is a game and you are experiencing it. And so it's so unique to gaming, especially in the way that you interact with it, which we haven't really talked about. But, you know, Mm. the fact that you interact by by erasing this notebook as you go, it's a really unique way of experiencing a story through interactivity that only a game can do. But it's therefore putting you in a position of someone who maybe that isn't you and you can then experience that. And I think that that is a much more powerful way of telling stories than just here's a big sandbox, go and be you. And yes, you can make up your own stories and they might be meaningful to you, but it's only ever going to reflect you and your experience rather than having an authored experience that is going to challenge you in some way. There we go. We have some comments in the Discord as well. Let's go for it. I'll stop blabbing. No, you can blab. Let's, uh, I'll read what Money said. Uh, well, maybe... Do you want to read what Molly said? Do you want to paraphrase one more? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> yeah. Molly mentioned if found as well. Do you want to paraphrase what Molly said? Hang on, I don't even have it up. Let me get it up. Where are your podcasts? Right. <laughs> Molly's essay. <laughs> uh, I generally think that video games give you the option to dive into a topic like no other medium can... Uh, films or books require a certain kind of imagination from the viewer or the reader to fully dive into the world because you do consume it and a passive medium doesn't require you to dive into it. Um, I think by default in video games, because of the combination of acting as a character and making decisions on behalf of them, it's easier to become them and empathise with them and relate to them. Um, For Moni, it is an active medium. Um, I think actions create deeper pathways in the brain. I'm going to leave that as the first point, Um, which, yeah, I agree with. I think, you know, you are literally playing it. You know, you are fully immersed in it. You are, it gives you the chance to be somebody else and experience a different story, which no other medium can do. 
by all means chip in Ben <laughs> no, <laughs> I am no I, I've got in my head I, I don't want to interrupt this thing because Gemma mentioned VR and some of my most memorable things that I can think of were playing games in VR Resident Evil 7 turned me into horror games because I played that in VR like I played that in VR and it made me want to play more because of the experience that I got from that that I haven't got from any movie any book any video game before then like the actual VR experience and complete immersion was something uh, extra special. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that goes to that idea of inputs and interactivity and the way that you do it. And that might just be on a TV screen, but, or it could be in a full headset. It could be with a controller, a motion controller, touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different ways of interacting with this world, whatever it might be. Yeah, Thumper is a good example. I mean, that is a rhythm horror game. And it's like a rhythm horror game that has no enemies. Well, it does have enemies, but it's like, yeah, the weird way of it couldn't work in any other medium other than video games. I'm watching a rhythm horror movie. Like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> Very strange. My rhythm horror book. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so Moni mentions like If Found or Night in the Woods, a sort of extremely linear ones, or Gris. Uh, where you're merely following the story and then there are those that give you the option to change the outcome of the game like heavy rain or tell me why which i agree with it's sort of there are they're still linear but it allows you to personalize that story and have an experience that at least you are putting yourself into a bit more and even night in the woods does allow different things like you choose who you spend your time with like there's only a limited number of evenings that you can spend time with somebody um so i spent time most of mine i think with greg that guy and um and, but you can go do other playthroughs with different people. Yeah. You can choose, yeah. Uh, Mona says, uh, those stories hit home differently than any movie or book ever could. It doesn't mean that movies and books don't touch her. Uh, they very much do. But because of the possibility to live in someone else's shoes for a certain amount of time, uh, I also see this as a huge possibility within video games to educate and create more empathy and more understanding for things we haven't experienced. Or also tell... Uh, live through stories of people that we can't really experience in reality because of who we are. So things like queer stories, black stories, Latinx stories, disabled stories, etc., etc. Which I think goes to sort of what I was saying as well of, of it being able, game stories being able to challenge you in some way, which is good. Yeah. Um, Gemma's put a very interesting point in mm. uh, in chat there. I believe that stories are fundamentally shaped by the medium they are presented. Canadian culture theorist Marshall McLuhan. Coin the term, the medium is the message, which, the, uh, which is the idea that the choice of medium impacts the absorption and interaction uh, with a story. Choosing a medium for a story isn't arbitrary, and it's not value neutral. Very true. I mean, the number of times I've started a film and like fallen asleep after about half an hour because I'm but just I'll... passively watching it and I'm not involved in any way, whereas gaming, I find really hard to fall asleep while playing a game. Yeah, and the amount of times that like we've had video games turn into movies and vice versa that just doesn't work exactly because That's those what... games are made on gameplay and, and made on you interacting and as soon as you just take that away you're mm. just losing what makes that experience unique yeah the amount of times it's been like oh there's a like for example the two games the two movies have come out of games that i love hitman and ratchet and clank and there's i've got zero interest in watching a movie of on them that's just not something i'd enjoy Assassin's Creed as well. I don't play Assassin's Creed because I love this, you know, the the theme of the story and all this stuff. Like, no, I'm playing it for other reasons, like because of, of the whole package. Just taking I mean, away I the think, story sounds crap. 
I think the Hitman games are actually a really good example of that sandbox style of, mm. you know, you can, okay, you're, you've got this vague story and you have to assassinate someone, but there are so many creative ways of doing it and you can experiment so much that then it's kind of like, oh, I managed to do it this way and, and it's it will be memorable to you because you found a really funny way of, of murdering someone, of, of whatever that might be. And I think that that actually is a really good example of that sort of sandbox style of it's memorable because you were able to be creative within this framework of, that the game gives you. Mm. Uh, Moni also says, sandbox games, on the other hand, give your brain the possibility to just roam free, do absolutely fucking whatever, uh, which clearly also is something that no book or film can give you. And because of that, you have almost infinite possibility to be more creative. You can experience the power of freedom. You can have this space of letting your brain run wild and in the process come up with even more amazing stuff. Just true. Indeed. Um, Vainslate also added in, I guess the only thing I could add is in strategy games like XCOM, so even though there's a linear story in terms of what missions you have to do, the choice and consequences you have of moving soldiers with percent of them hitting missing could either save them or get them killed. I guess that maybe that's similar with something like um, Fire Emblem. You know, everyone will have their own experience of the Fire Emblem uh, sort of games in terms of like, did your character die? or And, and what does that mean to you that it died? Because for somebody yeah. else, they might not have, but maybe you were invested in that character and you lost them. And, yeah. you know, again, that's something only a game can allow you to an experience. And the freedom that games give you is something that other mediums don't. And I think that's, and people really do appreciate that as well. Like you see kind of like, you can do whatever you want. You can be this person. You can do that. Like that's a big selling point for so many games. One of the best games I've ever played is Breath of the Wild. And so many people, everybody's experience is different. I mean, every everybody's obviously going to play a game and have a different experience playing whatever game they're playing, which is great. But something like Breath of the Wild, where at the beginning you go to a village and I was a, a previous person I did a podcast with, didn't go there until like 60 hours in. And I've no idea how, but apparently they just wandered off in a different direction. It said, I think because one of the quests was like, go to this village. And he was like, no, I'm going to go over here and ended up taking down all of the, uh, all of the bosses and then not even going to the village until kind of near the end. So that like, everybody's experience, absolutely, completely different in that game. Yeah. I mean, we love to witter on about Breath of the Wild here, but I think... Mm. It, what makes that game special is the idea that it's your adventure. Um, you know, yes, you're playing as Link and you need to save Princess Zelda and defeat Ganon, but you get to choose how you do that and therefore it's personal to you and your experience. Um, and considering the whole idea of Zelda at the, at the core is this idea of an adventure, um, that you're going on this, this amazing quest, but you get to dictate that. And the fact they've got that hero's path where you can see where you've been and everyone's yeah. path is going to be completely different because it's totally your adventure and it's personal to you. That'd be interesting. Maybe we should do that. Like get people to post their path and see, uh, see how different everyone's is. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Uh, another great point from Moni in chat. Um, not everybody absorbs every medium the same. We also don't learn the same. So every medium has a different benefit for different people, which is very true. Games can be far more accessible in storytelling um, than, than, than a book or, or a film. True. And then there's MMOGs. That's um, multi, massively multiplayer original gangsters uh, where everyone's <laughs> unique story is the same. Yeah. Everyone's unique story is the same. What, like MMOs where you go to the end 
I suppose... But there's also, like, MMOs where you get to the final stage or whatever, the story, but you've gone through it the wrong, uh, like, a totally different way. Like, you've experienced it different, whether you're playing as an archer or you're playing as a, a tank or as a healer or something. Your experience playing that game, you are on a linear path to the end, but it's totally different whichever way you play it. And the fact that you can also play that with friends means that you're adding an extra element to that of, yeah. you know, I guess we haven't talked about cooperative games, but... You know, mm. that allows you to experience a story in some way, but also with somebody else next to you also immersed in it. So yeah. it's not just here's two people on a couch watching a film and maybe you talk about it afterwards. Um, but here you get to both be immersed in it. And so there's that element of your you're part of a story, a linear story within the game that you're following. But there's also the emergent stories that happen between you um, mm. in, in helping each other and things like that, which is a nice extra addition that only a game can give you. Indeed. In summary, games are good. <laughs> Keep playing games. And don't gatekeep them. Yes, exactly. Especially from, yeah. Now you see, you see like, there's so many like adults and older people who are like, I don't play video games, they're for kids. And they're just missing out on such, such amazing stories and unique ways of storytelling. And maybe in the future that won't be a thing, even though there are people my age who I teach who will go like, I don't play video games. I did when I was a kid. And it's Yeah. It's because sad. I think it's it's that idea of you're playing a game. It's playful. Yeah. And that's seen as a child's thing to do, to play. Yeah. But do you know what? There are adults out there My dad plays who... golf. Well, exactly. My mum plays golf. They're in their 70s. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, our, our parents who maybe don't play games and don't understand it probably loved film and tv when that came out and maybe their parents were like oh you know you shouldn't be going to the cinema like Listen it's, to the it's old also a generation thing yeah it'll be interesting to see whether video games get uh you know go i mean they're already older people playing video games more and more but it'll be interesting to see whether something is something like movies that everybody watches whether you're young or very old I think we're nearly there. Well, we are. Okay, Ed, how do we find you? You can find me on social media at Ed underscore Knights with an N. Nice. Or go to Pink News and read the gaming section. Yeah, only if Ed's written it, though. <laughs> go and click on his uh, author page. And um, you can find me at BiggestBenners. Go to BiggestBenners.com. You can click all the links at the top. Um, if not, uh, just go to BiggestBenners1 on Twitter. I'll remove the one if you want to go and find me on Twitch or YouTube. Um, a big thank you to Gemma for giving us that topic. Yeah. Uh, and if you. anyone else has similar ideas, please come drop us a message on Discord or on social media, wherever else. And uh, please give us your ideas because... And thank you as well. We do have because... all of them. <laughs> That's true. No, and thanks, Money. It's because the reason why Money... Uh, sorry, Money, Gemma. The other, the other mod. Uh, the other generic uh, female mod uh no Gemma the reason why Gemma picked this is that she donated a lot of money to the fundraiser that we last did for mermaids uh UK so thank you so much for that and uh I am glad you enjoyed it all right so we'll see you all next week with a new topic we'll let you know what it is in the discord Hopefully before uh, Thursday morning. <laughs> yes. So no, well, I've got all of next week off, so it'll 
I'll be able to actually do some stuff. Oh, you can I do hope. some research this time. Except for Thursday. Thursday, I'm going to be... I will be streaming on Thursday, but it'll just be probably the Square Enix stuff, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I can be bothered to tune into an hour of stuff that the most exciting thing to come out of will be probably Life is Strange 3. We can discuss it in, the, in next week's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that'll right. be our theme. We'll see. Hmm. So, But we'll see you all there next week. Be there. Be there. Or be, or be split. split.